Hey, Wopod listeners, just a quick note before we start the show. This episode contains some adult themes and strong language, so if you'd prefer a beeped version of the show, just go to our website, thewellpod.com, and click the show notes tab. You'll find it there. Okay, enjoy the show. could have been so different and at one point in time I thought it was gonna be different yeah I've done some fucked up shit in my life and I've paid dearly for it karma has dealt me some heavy hands you know but what would you say in your past to give your karma the biggest hit (laughs) (laughs) oh man Welcome to The Well, I'm Anson Mount. And I am Brandon Edgens. And Brandon, I don't think I ever told you this before, but when I first started uh, acting, when I was still a babe in the woods, uh, an older actor said to me a, a thing that turned out to be very true. They said, acting in this business is a little bit like summer camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go, you make these intense relationships, you meet these people, you have this really close intimate time and then people move on and they go back to school and they and you say you're going to keep in touch and you're really going to work to be in touch and be friends forever and just it doesn't really happen and sometimes though you do end up with one pen pal Mm -hmm. or one friend that you do make the extra effort to keep in touch with so santa fe the winter 2012 i'm doing this movie called seal team six and it's a war film which is always grueling and this other actor, Alvin and I, he and I start going to this New Mexican restaurant near our hotel after work, just to unwind and shoot the shit, as you do, over margaritas. And pretty quickly, I start to realize, Alvin just, he isn't just interesting and funny, which he is, and not afraid to be self-deprecating, but I realize he's, he's just a really good dude. He's a proud father. Uh, and a deeply faithful husband to a woman who he loves because as he puts it she taught him how to laugh at himself (laughs) basically he's as happy and as normal a human being as you're likely to meet in this business and to me he's just alvin which makes it all the more strange when i consider that the rest of the world knows him by another moniker if i listen to critics there would be no exhibit dreams battered and broken never breaking my spirit listen close you can hear it the footsteps of the future ain't no time like the present leave the past and excuses fucked on everything walking now keep it exclusive you just soft as acoustic this that real nigga music professionally alvin joiner is known to the world as exhibit He's a platinum-selling rap star, and these days, an accomplished actor. But other than that, at least on the surface, it would appear that our lives are very different. Mm. <laughs> you don't know, you know, want to know one of my favorite, my favorite memories of you? Yeah. Is, I think the last time I saw you, actually, I, I came over to see, to visit the set on that video you were about to shoot. Oh, 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 the, uh, the, um, the Up Out The Way video. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so... Yo, I hadn't started yet, and, and we walked outside, and we were out there, and, and you're like, <laughs> you went, hey, you fish? <laughs> went, yeah, I, I like to fish. I do some creek fishing, lake fishing. 
you like forget that we're renting a boat yeah we're gonna go out on the ocean yeah. and we're gonna catch some big sailfish and <laughs> one of your guys said you yeah, know man we're, we're going to moscow like, what <laughs> we're going to moscow on thursday you're like we're going to moscow <laughs> he said yeah he went oh man i can't go fishing i gotta <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's that's how our lives are different. Yeah. How do you? How do you? Because I was like, how do you forget you're going, going to Moscow? Moscow? Yeah. Well. Amsterdam to Tokyo, longitude only I can know. Latitude is my attitude. Fall in place like a domino. I ain't come here to make no friends, cause I'd rather be feared than loved. Scared to death that I move this mountain to get to you with this shotgun. So yeah, our day planners look nothing alike, but we do have quite a bit in common. For one thing, we both lost a parent at a young age. For Alvin, it was his mother. And I was born in Detroit. I left there when I was nine, you know. Uh, my mother passed away. My dad got remarried, and so I was very angry, you know, because it was it was a step family environment. It was very abusive. It fell apart. I was in the system. When did your mom pass? Uh, 1983, Fourth of July. How old were you? Nine. Okay. Yeah, and so it, it's just very abrupt. And it's just out of the blue. You know, I didn't understand death at the time. You know, it was. It didn't seem real. I was just like, you know, for the longest time, I remember thinking, ah, my mother's just, you know, off in Paris somewhere. Like, she just was sick of us and just ran away. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just couldn't wrap my head around just something so permanent, so final. I remember you telling me a story, I think, about your mom yeah. to explain how strict she was. <laughs> no, that was a stepmother. Oh, that was your stepmother. Yeah, my something stepmother. about you were in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my stepmother. My stepmother was not a nice person, and you know, it, well, what happened? Was that thing in the bathroom where you, when she, you were trying to take a dump? Oh yeah, yeah. And she, what happened? I, she came in and hit me with a fucking feather duster. Like the fuck? What kind of evil shit is that? Where you wait till the, a nigga's trying to take a shit? <laughs> And you come and hit a motherfucker with a like a bamboo feather duster. Like that shit hurt. It was like fucking wets. Like Why did she hit you? What did you do? Nah, dude, she hit for everything. For every fucking thing. <laughs> it's crazy. My parents gave up custody of me to the state because they said that I was a problem at the house. Oh. Yeah. And so Were you? No. I was fucking drawing pictures and trying to write rap records. <laughs> <laughs> Alvin and I both grew up at a time when rap and hip-hop were making their ascendancy in American music. We used to be the punk rock when punk rock stopped being punk rock. Mm. We were the voice of rebellion. I'm a plastic surgeon. Fix your face. I got NASCAR numbers. I was built to race. Gonna be a long, hot summer. Hubble's scope from space. It's the next best thing since making soda and bass. Measured by any cultural yardstick, it was a lightning strike. From the late 80s into the early 90s, cable television and independent radio helped rap and hip-hop to blossom across the nation. But while I was cruising around Dixon County, Tennessee in my Mazda 626 and blistering the factory speakers with the likes of NWA, 2 Live Crew, and Ice-T, Alvin was trying and failing to negotiate the system in Albuquerque. No, I went to a group home. And, okay. uh, and eventually, during that time when I was in a group home, um, believe it or not, the first group home I went to was called Amistad. 
And then I went to Casa Noreste. And then by that time, I was gone. You know what I'm saying? I was already in the street. Like, fuck this. You know, once I got my hand on a handgun and 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 a way to make money, that was, you know, all in. I was all in. So How'd violence and, and all of that stuff became secondhand nature. It was something that I was very good at. I was, you know, had no remorse. I had no pity. I had no nothing because that wasn't what was given to me, you know. So that's what kind of hardened me in that aspect. And that's where... You know, it got very dangerous for me, you know. How'd you get your first gun? Oh, man, that's easy. <laughs> you can get a gun before you can get a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I was on the block pitching rocks at 15. And I remember underage drinking at 16. Let my nuts hang, Cali bang at 17. Now I got everything, bitch, I got everything. My back was to the wall, wrist it all. After all, all I had was me. Just tenacity, some old E with a switch of sweet. Now everything I ride around got a captain seat. Fuck y'all, draw a sword off and dump rapidly. A lot of those people that I was running with at the time are dead or in jail for a very long time. Eventually, Alvin looked around and saw what was happening to his friends, and he didn't like what he was seeing. So the question became, what do I do now? And, all right, this is where I have to pause for a second uh, to explain something to you about Alvin. Um, I, I don't know, if I ever told you this story? Well, I, did I tell you about what happened after the interview? Um, I'm not sure. Okay, well, so I was packing up my equipment after we finished this interview, and, and he said, oh, man, I, I didn't even tell you about my vape company. And I was like, what vape company? So he proceeds to tell me how, like, about a year previous, a friend of one of his engineers, I think, was over at his studio, and he was talking about how he was the distributor for the, a large vape company, and he was unhappy, and, and Alvin just off the cuff said, well, let's start our own company. And the guy said, well, I'm gonna, if I'm going to do that, we're going to have to, like, I get to bring on board my guy who knows how to make the juice because we got to make our own juice because we're losing a lot of money on the juice. He's like, all right, okay, three ways. We'll do it. So they made a handshake agreement. Alvin dropped, like, a couple hundred thousand dollars of seed money and got a lawyer, and they managed to get one of the THC licenses coming up in California. And a year after they made this handshake, it was evaluated at a <laughs> price that I – will not divulge but it's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know basically suffice to say you know alvin just doesn't have that filter of mm, should i shouldn't i he just goes full tilt so jumping back to when alvin's like he's 16 he's 17 and he's looking at his life and he realizes that something's gonna need to change it has to become something else but he doesn't know what that looks like and he thinks back to all those days he spent in his room drawing pictures of his future album covers and he goes Huh. I got that ragtop Impala with the brains blew back. Could you loan me a dollar, bitch? I can't do that. Got a flight in an hour, got my bags all packed. Bring it in for the huddle, 150 racks, pow. So he gets in his car, moves to Los Angeles, and making a not-so-long story even shorter, it doesn't take long for Alvin now exhibit to release his first album titled At the Speed of Life. It's a critical and commercial success that he then follows up with 1998's 40 Days and 40 Nights. And 
it's at this point that he gets the attention of a certain music producer that has influenced your taste, Brandon, mm-hmm. perhaps more than any living producer of our lifetime. Oh, yeah. Everyone guess who it is. Oh, yeah. All right. I know exactly who it is. Dr. Dre came around third album. Was it a good experience? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Is he is is he is he as much a wizard on that board as Absolutely. Yeah. Just being able to create and see things the way he see things and you know, and hear the frequencies that he hears and be able to produce at that type of level. I'd consider him, you know, one of the best. You know, Did he I push you at all? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You don't you don't you dream of being in the studio with Dr. Dre until you get in the studio with Dr. Dre. <laughs> really? Do it again. Do it again. One more time. One more time. One more time. Say it like this. Nah. Say it like this. One more time. <laughs> hey, give me one more time. Say it again. For hours. Till you get it right. Right. Yeah, and it just be that one minute thing. Then when you get it, that's it. Oh shit! <laughs> Woo! Shit! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> wait, wait, did you ever? Did you ever get frustrated being like, "What is he hearing?" In no, his don't head? say that. No, don't say that. Really? Yeah. Just do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't say that. Because once he gets up from the board, all right. I'll be back. You don't want that. Uh, yeah, because see, he don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> you, did you, I take it you learned that though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I've seen other people be like, man, I'm doing it the way you want me to. Oh, we're, okay. No, you're not. No, you're not. All right. All right, I'll have be you, back. Have you, have you heard the chronic? <laughs> yeah, just do it again. Shut the fuck up and do it again. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I love that's the first thing I've heard that actually gives you any kind of indi- any kind of sense of like what it takes oh, yeah. to like to, to to produce at that level and like why Dr. Dre is Dr. Dre. Oh know? yeah, man. And the art of like it sounds fun when you're listening to it, but it's it's sweat. Oh yeah, man. Everything. A lot of things are that way. It's like the whole. Po- you're not supposed to hear the effort. Yeah. Anyways, that would become X's third album, Restless, and it goes platinum. Suddenly, Alvin is at the top of his game and soaring. And it's here where, this is where, okay, during our interview, so he shared a story with me that I'd never heard before. And I really think it's the crux of understanding, I guess, how Alvin is just so courageously himself, I think is how to put it. Which is, for the most part, it's just a guy, you know, he's pretty happy with his life. Anyway, it, it came out of that question I asked at the top of the episode when we started talking about karma for some reason. And so I asked him. What would you say in your past to gave your karma the biggest hit? <laughs> and I've learned enough as an interview at this point that when I hear a reaction to a question like that, if I just keep my mouth shut i'll probably hear a good story oh man basically it tells me that one day he's at home he's just come off of a very successful tour his albums hit platinum everything is going exactly how he planned it and he just kind of stops and he realizes in his gut that something is wrong 
and he can't figure out what it is, but he knows something is really just off here. So he, he sits down and he really starts to comb through things. And I asked for that. How can I, how, how, what have, what have I, what have I done? And then it's like, oh, oh yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, right. Yeah, you know when something's wrong inside you know yourself. It. You know it. And sometimes you got to figure out what that is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Everybody has a chapter of their life that they don't read out loud. Hmm. So, you know, not really wanting to push this too hard, I asked him if he could explain a, a little more in detail. Um, I don't know, man. I did a lot of wild shit when I was a kid. Really? Wild shit. I, I shouldn't be here talking right now. Why? You know? Like, there's a lot of shit that has to do with, you know, like, shooting at people, you know, being involved in robberies, you know, fucking selling drugs, you know. Uh, it's some pretty wild shit, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And Where was this? Uh, this was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Right, right, right. And when was that? Well, I'm not gonna get into details about what I did, but I did something really fucked up, and it involved shooting at someone, actually kidnapping, driving them to a remote location, throwing them down the elevator shaft, and shooting at them because they owe me money. It was rough. What was wrong in your life that made you realize, oh, this, it's this. Nothing case. was wrong. That was wrong. Okay. That was wrong. Right. That was one particular thing <laughs> that I did with the gun was wrong. Yeah. So years later, you know, as I was, you know, into, I, you know, I, my platinum record had came. I was working with Dr. Dre, you know, <clears throat> I got in my car. And I just got off a tour, and I got in my car, and I drove to Albuquerque. I'll never forget this. And I asked for that person, and they knew where they were because it was bothering me. And so I got to them, and they were living in this hotel, like this extended stay. And when they opened the door, It fucked me up because they were excited to see me. They were like, oh, Xavier, yo, Alvin, you know, oh my God, what's up, man? And they just couldn't believe that I was there because I was on TV. It was like, you know, that's how fucked up it is there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we sit down and I start talking and they're like yeah man so yeah I seen you on this I seen you on that I was like yo please just you know just I'm not here for that I'm here because I want to apologize to you and it's like for what I was like bro I have a problem with what I did to you our both of our lives could have changed at that very moment you know what I'm saying? And I apologized, and I made sure that they understood what I was saying. And man, they was just crying. They just started crying, like, Phew. you know, that fucked me up. But for the fact that you came all the way here to say this to me, 
and I forgive you. Like, I, I, I forgive you just because you fucking made it out of this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, that was important. But my apology comes in the fact that <clears throat> I changed my life for the better. And I didn't continue that path. You know, I was, I, it could have went so differently. What? But why? Why didn't it? What got you? Um, what? What changed? I was educated. Um, before my mother passed, you know, she was really adamant about my sister and I being well read, um, comprehension skills. Every all that shit had to be up. And, you know, she was very religious as well. So, we was always at church doing that. Then, that was kind of like our solid found. That was what we were raised with. So, we had a, I always had a moral compass. I didn't always listen to it. Mm. But I all knew the difference between right and wrong. And how did it feel when you got out of there after that apology? It was dope. Yeah. It was like, it felt really dope. It was like, you know... Because when things sit on me, <clears throat> I don't know, it's, 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 call it an angel, call it, you know, divine intervention, I don't know what it is, but when something sits on me, spiritually, it drives me. Like, if, if something pops in my head and I can't get rid of it, and it's something that is being urged and to be like, this is not right in your shit, you know what I'm saying? You, I have to go fix it, or I have to acknowledge that. Do you think you believe that that it's the moral compass you yes. gave you that yeah. is re responsible for that? You got to you got to make it right. Did I have to go do that? No, but I did it because I couldn't sit in my son's face and tell them, you know, how they needed to be when I still had loose ends myself. You know, yeah, that's as simple as it is. Yeah. Alvin's a few years younger than me, and every time I stop and think about that, I'm a little bit surprised. Mm. You know, if anything, it feels like it should be the other way around because every time I, every time we talk, I'm a little more impressed at how well he's gotten to know himself, and it, and it makes me realize that even after you figure out this that this whole life thing is really just a great ride, we're incredibly lucky to have a ticket to. It doesn't mean anything if you don't learn to stop and get off the ride every now and then and walk around and maybe kick the tires a little bit. What's been the most the most um, surprising or, 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 or transformational thing about getting older for you? <laughs> getting older, you know, maturing, because after 20 years of hip hop, you have to, hmm. you know, it's like you can stay <clears throat> with that mentality but then I always use the analogy of the old man in the club because we used to laugh at the old man in the club trying to do the young kid dances and the, yeah. you know use the lingo and you know dressing the clothes and now being in my 40s you know even though the entertainment is something that I still do and I do have to be around some of those environments but <clears throat> Now I feel like the old man in the club. In music, I'm like dog years, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> you know. 
So, you know, but it, it feels better to be mature. It feels better to be responsible. You know, being able to keep in contact with real friends, you know what I'm saying, like yourself, and mm-hmm. and and have the the clarity of of, of, a, of a marriage. You know, I, I'd never take it for granted. I'm very humbled by it. Yeah. But that's another thing. That's another big part of me. You know, getting older. Like my when I I have two sons, and my oldest son is 22, and when he was born, I was 19. So a lot of my music career, you know started around his his birth you know and so I was traveling a lot you know I was in my early 20s it was I always say that we grew up together meaning that it was it was a very you know turbulent time for me you know trying to figure out who I was and what I meant and having a big opportunity sent right down in front of me and you know being involved in that and what that turned into because money can't replace time. And one of the things that I've found is, you know, I'm saying that I'm doing all this hustling and all this work for him, but yet and still, the time was more important, mm-hmm. you know? So being in, in, in a very stable place now, being a father is a total different experience, you know? Um, I mean, I'm married. You know, we have a very solid household. We have a very structured environment. And I didn't let my children continue that path. Or at least I didn't teach them that. You know, they didn't have to struggle and do the same things I did. They never been in no fucking jail cell. They never been in no group home. They never been beat on like that. You know what I'm saying? Like this, not that type of situation for them. So I think I've changed the cycle and that's where my apology comes because my life could have been so totally different, you know? So, showing up on time is not a problem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, showing people respect is not a problem. Yeah. You know? Um, being prepared is not a problem. Like, these are all small things to a giant. And that's it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, thank God for good parents. God. <laughs> you and I both yeah. got blessed with that. Oh, yeah. And I just think it's, there's something interesting about being an artist. It, it doesn't allow... I mean, if you're really doing your work, it does not allow you to shove certain things in the corner and ignore them. At a certain point, you've got to... You, 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 you are going to be sensitive to the fact that something's off. Even if your mind doesn't know what it is, your gut's going to tell you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that it, um, there's more to be said for having the, that, that moral compass established in you by a parental figure or when you're younger. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not, it's not instinct. Like, mm-hmm. like we're taught yeah. in psychology 101, at school we learned you know there's there's imprinting and there's in uh instinct and instinct is is something that's passed along genetically like mm-hmm. babies are naturally afraid of snakes mm-hmm. that's something that gets passed in the in the gene uh, uh chimpanzees are afraid of water mm-hmm. even if they're born in a zoo that just happens imprinting is is something that's passed from a parent to an mm-hmm. infant mm-hmm. and 
it, it is so it, it determines so much about how you see the world not just not where you're going but how you view the your relationship to the world and what what your horizon line mm -hmm. is right the thing that strikes me uh the most i listen after listening all that is someone who uh has an incredible adaptability i mean just you know it'd be very easy for anyone to get to get stuck at any number of places in his journey right most people do yeah get stuck because those are heavy things heavy things tend to anchor you they tend to like screw you to the floor with your own actions and whatever and he somehow took every one of those weights and dealt with it and got stronger from it and moved kept moving kept moving kept moving kept moving that's just there's more to it than instincts and imprint he has um I don't know what to call it, a little magic dust or something. You know what I mean? That, that, that's, yeah. that's an extraordinary, I wouldn't even call it will, because a lot of people are willful, and, and their will is what screws them to the floor and why they can't move on. I kept being struck over and over again by a willingness to learn from mistakes. And that's why it was really interesting that the whole episode started with that thing about karma and the big laugh that he had and the, it was a laugh when yeah. you said what you know what you know what uh, where did karma hit you the hardest or, or whatever and there was that huge laugh <laughs> and that's that laugh is important oh yeah as a because that's loose that's a loose relationship to um uh or i would say I would, not not un, not unimportant but loose in the sense that it is not uh, something that is an albatross around his neck a lot of people treat karma like an albatross and he treated it correct as as any spiritually wise person would as oh the universe is trying to get me to learn something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know and yeah. i just did but yeah. a lot of people don't yeah They're, there's too much pride too much will they stay right where they are just getting more and more loaded down with albatross well that's one of the things i really admire about alvin is that he, he could so easily get by on talent and charm which he just is mm -hmm. ripping with both yeah but he does not allow that those things to be his engine mm -hmm. his engine is self-awareness yes and and being willing to look at himself and and who he wants to be in the face of in you know in the eyes of his children and and in his own and in his own eyes who you know he is willing to take the long hard look at yourself which Again, as an artist, you, you can only begin there. It's, I feel like I'm going to be kind of chewing on it for a while. Um, mm. That, and I think I might like write it on a banner and tape it to my ceiling because that's a great idea to kind of chew on, you know. And, and of course, you know, and not obviously the challenge is to not to avoid the easy trap and, and thinking that it's something about becoming bigger than everyone else or becoming more important. It's not that at all. I mean, you already said it. You know, it's something about confidence, but there's something about the way he said it too. That, that, that thing he said there towards the end about these are small things to a giant. Mm. That's man. That's a that's perspective. I don't. That was really profound. Well, it really, a, it really kind of hit me. He's a good writer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's been writing yeah, a long yeah, time. That's, that's true. That's you know? true. I should be marveling at the fact that exhibit can really turn a phrase because yeah. that's his entire job is <laughs> doing really good at that and it's worth mentioning that all the music in this episode uh comes from uh exhibit's self-produced album napalm uh which is 
well written and it is fun and it is hard hitting but it's also interesting in that it's in places it's really soul searching and it's indicative of a good writer when a good writer because a good writer knows when to stop writing mm -hmm. and there's this track that his mother's on The Well is produced, recorded, and edited by Brandon Edgens and myself, Anson Mount. Theme music by Jonathan Myberg. Additional music for this episode, courtesy of Exhibit and Open Bar Entertainment. Special thanks for this episode go out to the entire Joyner family for their hospitality and continued friendship over the years. If you liked this episode, or the show in general, do us a favor. Go to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcasts, and give us a review. Reviews help us by helping more people find the well. Until next time, have a great week, everyone. I can turn to when I'm feeling trouble And talk about my struggles My uncle John L He only put me on the phone with different females Yeah, this is such and such Nephew, tell her what's up Ain't even ask about Tremaine and Gallon growing up Fuck, I drink it all and I smash the bottle Self-medicated, numb, but I'ma feel it tomorrow It felt like pain and sorrow was like a second skin But now the pain is gone, I got my second win Only the strong live long, you better settle in I'm fighting forever, I will never let the devil win 1983, that's when my journey begins I searched everywhere for strength and only found it within This for me and my kin, still dying to live Living life to the fullest till I see you again Alvin, I would love it if I could have um, one of those Underneath it um, Just for that one part And then to go into something else